I've been a horrible mother. Then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Hello, Internet. This is Phil. And this is Kyle. And we are the Unsociablist. So today we are going to be talking with you about uh, universal basic outcome, the whole uh, concept that we sh there's no reason we shouldn't be meeting everyone's fundamental needs just on principle because our economy has the strength to do that very easily with its current uh, setup. Yeah, and obviously this is a really big topic, so it's going to we'll, – we'll probably – be doubling back later on in, in in later episodes but for right now we want to talk about just kind of the very the very basic things you know those things that you imagine uh you know if you were traveling through the desert what would you pack in your rucksack what would you need to survive yeah it's a little bit of an outdated mode but like take maslow's hierarchy of needs for example we're talking about just the bottom of the pyramid just the grains which ironically enough from the food pyramid are actually one of the most inaccurate we're finding more and more that grains aren't necessary and, in fact, are bad for you if you eat that many servings, but whatever. <laughs> I like the idea that there's, like, in the same way that the meat, dairy, and uh, grain lobbies created the food pyramid, in the same way that, like, big psychologists made the hierarchy of needs. Yeah, big psych wants to get you a, big psych wants to get you a house and medicine, but they don't want you having love. Right. No love for you. We're saying that self-actualization is not all that important. But no, today we're just talking about the basics, you know, food, shelter, the ability to live if you get sick, you know, the things that lots of reasonable politicians have been talking about for years and no one has listened to because heaven forbid we be reasonable in this country. My, my ancestors didn't move to this country to be reasonable. We moved here to steal land and we got that. So now we get to be as unreasonable as we want. The same principle my ancestors came here with uh, when my when my grand when my uh, grandparents actually I'm a, I'm a third generation immigrant when my grandparents moved here from Germany they were all like hey cool we can now make tons and tons of money and this economy will last forever and no one will ever have to worry about it collapsing on itself when rich people get greedy. This is a tangent, but were you? Were your grandparents Nazis or something? Like they escaped? <laughs> uh, your grandparents, one of my to... one of my great uncles was. Oh my... <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. It's not no, good, it's okay. But it's, it's, it's you can't control your heritage. You can't. No. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not gonna start digging into my past too heavily because I'm sure there's some really fucked up stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, my family past, just my is. family just ignores. Uh, like a good chunk of the family tree. Like, just don't, that family, part of family tree doesn't exist. Don't even worry <laughs> about it. Don't worry about it. But yeah, for now, we're just going to try to focus on the uh, fact that we can meet everyone's basic needs, that, that our economy is set up to do that at this point. But it won't because otherwise Bezos wouldn't be able to afford his 57th house or whatever. Right. I'm I sure think... he has more than that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need them all in the books either. But like, maybe to clarify, I don't necessarily think that it's. I think the economy that our country kind of works with is a currently neoliberal iteration of capitalism, and it's working just fine. I mean, for those who get to pull the levers on it, it's not so much that the economy that we currently exist in is necessarily like built to provide for everyone. In fact, I think that, you know, these 
issues of supply lines and these issues of stockpiles that we're seeing right now in the COVID crisis is uh, kind of indicative of the fact that this country, this economy is not necessarily built to provide for everyone, despite the fact that we obviously have the um, capacity, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, as long as we live under the yoke of capitalism, that's the fundamental core for how we live our lives. There's no way we can ever achieve a system that actually cares about its people because the fund- the whole I- the whole core idea of wealth being this- the sole signifier of well-being is that anything anyone who doesn't have wealth doesn't deserve life. Yeah, there's a value judgment that goes along with the um, material judgments that are coming along with uh tying people's lives to wage relations yeah and because of that we can't even pass the most simple of ideas like for example we've been talking about medicare our country has been talking about medicare for all for a a lot for i mean since obamacare basically but even more in focus like in central view of the lens in the last four years and we haven't even made and we, we stepped backwards on that we've backslid and even the leftist candidate for president it has flat out said he'd veto it if it came across his desk it would be way more affordable and the main reason for that is a magical little book called the charge master so the reason that insurance companies and hospitals uh, can gouge everyone so much in our current economy is because of this wonderful idea of the charge master it is the price that hospitals will charge for like across the across the board as their base uninsured price for various services like for example in the charge master q-tips are nine dollars a piece ibuprofen 81 dollars a single ibuprofen on a hospital bill is 81 dollars in the charge master so if you're uninsured hooray you're broke forever so these insurance companies could be like we can offer you a better deal than that by being insured through us, and then you're only paying on average like $12 for your ibuprofen. Sure, you don't have to pay. Uh, I mean, a lot of times you do pay your copays, you pay at point of access, but instead you'll also pay, in my case, it was about $400 a month for catastrophe insurance. That's all I was getting. With the current system that is set up with insurance, it's made to make people feel like you can't afford not to have insurance, and that's why we need to keep having the insurance the way it is. Because your insurance through your employer or whatever is the only way that you're going to have an affordable rate. Meanwhile, people are getting laid off left and right, and insurance companies are making more than they've made in a long time. All thanks to a pandemic that we should that we should have taken care of on a single-payer system by core fundamental of human decency. At the beginning of this of the pandemic in America, they were talking about basically doing single payer, you know, free health care, you know, in scare quotes, free health care. Yeah. Um, but just for COVID related shit, they won't pay for your masks to keep you from getting COVID. They won't pay for you to get tested, but they will pay for you going on the vent. And even sometimes even that didn't really go through because I heard, uh, you know, relatively early sometime in. April or May, a woman was paying something like $30,000 out of pocket for uh, her COVID treatment. And it's insane to think that we would tie something like your health. I mean, this is like, this is a point that's been done to death over the last year in particular when the primary was still going on. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you can tie someone's health, like you said, you're holding them hostage because you can't afford to not get this insurance 
we're tying this not only to whether you have the money, but also whether your employer is going to offer it to you. Well, and it's I mean, served them. And I mean, Biden's whole thing was people like their employer insurance. And uh, meanwhile, I don't know about everyone, but I work with a company that has a union. And our employer insurance has been covering less and less regarding COVID since the crisis started. They've been trying to cut back wherever they can each with each passing iteration of the medical uh, of our medical coverage. At this point, unless you're on Plan A, you don't get paid time off if you get COVID. Jesus Christ, that doesn't even include the people who have gotten laid off. Like I had health insurance for all of a month from my uh, employer before I got laid off and lost it. Your ability to yeah submit to capitalism. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It, it, how good of a worker are you? I mean, that's not really what they're asking. How good, how compliant of a uh, value creator are you that they'll give you your prescriptions that you need to live? Yeah. Can you be enough of a yes man? Because if not, they can always find a different yes man. The Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob, Episode 27, Medicare Malarkey. Friend Zorzan, I think it's time for another visit to Earth. I heard America finally passed a law guaranteeing medical services to all of its citizens. Sounds like a plan, Aglab. I would love to see how much that's helped their society. Maybe they've taken this stepping stone and followed it all the way down the path of communal access to every basic need. Or maybe not. I mean... Is an improvement. Look at that man there. He just received completely free cancer treatment. Uh, oh, oh dear. And now he's shuffling off to the street corner and sleeping on a bench. It's honestly disappointing that it took this long for them to make even the medical change. Apparently their congressional system attempted to pass it several years ago, but it was vetoed by Joe Biden, the most forgettable president in decades. Well, surely this will still revolutionize their society. I don't know, Aglab. That woman who recently got free asthma medicine just died of starvation. That... that seems highly illogical. Sadly, it appears that as long as the core system is capitalism, removing one form of exploitation of the citizens helps very little. Well, I believe we should still continue to observe these humans, but for now, I'm afraid this trip was less refreshing than I had hoped. We'll come back here before long. I have a feeling that one way or another, this is going to be an exciting time to watch them. Tune in next time for more Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob! I guarantee you that from the perspective of uh, the rich and powerful, Trump has been somewhat of a godsend because he's a centralizing villain. He is just insane and stupid enough that... Even a right-wing, slightly sane-sounding person seems like a reasonable choice comparatively. Of course, if we're talking about like the difference between Trump and Biden, uh, we're talking about two very old, two very conservative guys, um, both of whom would absolutely uh, serve the needs of the rich. The difference is not so much a uh, difference in class or difference in um, even really ideology in any sense, uh, the difference is kind of just factional. It's not a matter of whether or not these people are serving the same uh, donors, serving the same interests. 
it's a matter of who is directly in the bureaucratic power seats, right? They're meaningless positions comparing the two because for the general public, literally nothing will change. It's not It's not like it started with Trump and anyone who is thinking that way is living the revisionist history that cent- centrist news media wants you to. Of course. I've forgotten everything from behind, from before January of 2018. Don't remember a damn thing. Yeah, if you look at history, it's obviously not just Trump. Like, and especially the uh, go-to example is homelessness. We, it's not like the homeless have uh, were, were, didn't exist before Trump. Yeah, homelessness, in fact, was increasing throughout the Obama years. We knew that because of this kind of urban renewal, when the uh, white folks who, you know, their parents had fled to the suburbs earlier, you know, in the 60s and 70s, the kids, they want to be next to coffee shops. They want to be next to uh, parks. And so they move into these newly gentrified homes, get their plastic fucking cookie cutter houses, and they push out a lot of folks who their property values skyrocket in a matter of two or three years, right? They can't afford the homes that they've lived in and that their parents have probably lived in for decades. And they become homeless. People become homeless because they can't afford their rent. This has been a huge problem and an ever-increasing one, not just under Trump, because it has been incredibly bad under Trump, no lies, but it's, it's a problem that has roots far deeper than the last three or four years oh yeah absolutely it's uh not like gentrification didn't exist uh before this but um yeah definitely yeah i mean donald don't get me wrong donald trump has botched the situation even more massively but at the end of the day um homelessness is a problem that we've had the means and resources to fix for basically the entirety of uh, this country's modern history for every single homeless person there are 20 empty homes like I said, Bezos has got to have like, that. Bezos has got to have that 80th house. <laughs> right, important. a lot of these actually are. You know, they might be summer homes, but even more of those are, are just owned by the bank, sitting empty. Right, empty uh, foreclosed homes. We might be talking about landlords that own multiple properties because we're not thinking of housing as a shelter. They see it as in the same way that they view healthcare. Right, hey, real estate is just another capitalist commodity. Absolutely. It's a commodity, and it is meant to increase my investment portfolio, not house people. Yeah, well, I mean, the rich would happily throw thousands and thousands of people under the bus if they could increase their wealth by 0.1% on their real estate profile. You know, there have been a number of plans. There have been a number of different policies that um, have been proposed to take on, you know, the, the issue of houselessness and, you know, the housing crisis that people are going through, bringing back rent control, making sure that people aren't getting priced out of their homes, out of their neighborhoods, making sure that people aren't spending upwards of 50% of their income on rent. Ironically, we could very easily just provide these shelters to everyone without any kind of a personal cost. Uh, that wouldn't It wouldn't cost anything to um, any one specific person, but it would make sure that some specific people couldn't keep making money off of it, and that's the core takeaway. Yeah, uh, and even if you wanted to ignore the fact that we could just expropriate these folks, uh, empty buildings and empty homes, and convert them so that people had like a 
a place to live, a place to call, you know, a, a, an address to write when they want to get their mail sent to them, when they want to set up a bank uh, statement. Not that banks are great, but, you know, but yeah, when they, when they want to set up evil. literally anything, you need an address. And uh, instead of these housing first programs, we have these bullshit like halfway houses, which, of course, a lot of those are also good. I'm not going to shit on. They're doing know, the best they can this. in a broken system a lot of yeah. times. And we're always going to need an ecology of uh, tactics, but, you know, it's been almost universally proven that a housing first policy works the best. And some of those things to round, you know, get around expropriating the 20 houses for every houseless person is there have been plans to create public housing. There have been plans to invest something like a trillion dollars. I'm thinking of Bernie Sanders plan into building new affordable public housing, things that would be then rent controlled and things that would be, you know, available to people regardless of their income. I mean, you probably wouldn't want to, you couldn't buy up a shitload of them, but you could at, you know, instead of me paying $1,500 a month to live in a shoebox, I could go and pay, you know, $700 to have a second bedroom. And these plans are very reasonable, but they're going to continuously be stopped by people who want to be able to walk up and down the block and own entire sects of the uh, city just to make sure they can control those prices against each other. It's a different version. Yay, price fixing. You know, and just ejecting people from their homes whenever possible while they're at it. New from Hasbro Disney Viacom Halliburton Academy, it's the game you all know and live. <laughs> I mean love, with a brand new twist. Realistic Monopoly. Let's roll to see who goes first. I got a five. I got an 11. I got a 178, because I get to roll 50 dice. Have a blast watching the game become a pointless charade within seconds of starting. I was the first to land on Boardwalk, so I want to buy it. Too bad! You started with $50 and only get two bucks each time you pass go, so you'll never be able to afford it. I, on the other hand, start with the ability to literally just take however much I want from the bank. It means that this property goes on auction and I can sweep it up for just a fraction of what it's worth. Get the whole family around for a game where you'll still get mad at each other even though you're all losing. Aw, oh, Mom, you suck! Thanks to you, Mr. Monopoly got all the reds! That's right. I may be ruining all your lives, but we all know it's never my fault. See the game unfold into fourth wall breaking nonsense before your eyes. Ah, I've bought Blackwater. Now I'll change his name to Academy so everyone forgets all about the many war crimes they committed. You'll start the game with fun in mind and end it in the streets. Why are we getting evicted? Dad hit a hotel. Now Mr. Monopoly owns our house. That's right, kids. Now you get to grow up homeless. Also, I've had the cops called on your black neighbors because I think I smell weed. <laughs> I'll own the whole block in no time. Realistic Monopoly. Fun for literally only one person, and it's sure as hell not you. Obviously, housing is uh, important, shelter is important, but even more important to people's uh, ability to keep not dying is food and water. The, you know, the basic essentials of you know, sustenance. There was a statistic or 
an infographic that was going around maybe last year. It was it's a while ago, but it was talking about kind of the relative increase of the price of a loaf of bread compared to the increase of uh, minimum wage. And of course, one can spoiler imagine, alert. Yes, <laughs> who who thinks that the minimum wage is kept up with the price of bread? Nobody. I mean, because it hasn't. Uh, in general, better off seen, with bread lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, waiting in a communist hellscape for things to get to me for free. Oh no, I so best I go keep work living. really hard so I can <laughs> buy like four different fucking types of white bread. In, in any case, we we we've seen that the price, the relative price of food, the relative price of uh, water, if you're considering like water bills, um, these things have all gone up. And they haven't been uh, met with a kind of uh, respective uh, increase in the wages of those people who are forced to, again, tie something that they absolutely need to wage relations. And I mean, it's not like we don't have the food to go around. We've talked about this before. Our government has literally paid farmers to burn corn and wheat so that they can keep those prices uh, in, this, in the grocery store higher. Because if we have too much, oh, we have so much corn, we can only charge three cents a year for it now. How are we ever going to make money on that? They see surplus as waste, right? And that's a big reason why we didn't have a shitload of masks built up, right? It, it, they need somebody to buy their shit immediately. It needs to be just in time delivery. It can't be uh, wasteful. And this is another aspect of kind of the new neoliberal version of capitalism is that it's supposedly in its ideology, chipping away at waste and chipping away at the kind of loss that maybe a Keynesian uh, economic system would have incurred if it just stockpiled grain, if it just like stockpiled these things, or, you know, instead of telling people to burn crops, maybe just subsidized the uh, people buying them or the folks who were selling them. Yeah, no, it's imperative at the end of the day that uh, demand not be uh, lower than supply. It takes such an incredible lack of empathy to, to deny people these very basic and obvious needs. It seems so clear to me and I think clear to a lot of people. I, I'm no paragon of virtue or morals. I just don't think that it makes any sense that you would look at someone who, you know, breathes the same air as you, who walks the same streets as you, and say that they, because they aren't creating value for some asshole in an office, they don't deserve to eat or to sleep under a roof. I honestly can't understand the, the right-wing mindset, the, peop the people who genuinely believe that if you're not contributing to capitalism, you deserve to not live. Like, it... it it baffles me to an extent that I uh, couldn't possibly put into reasonable, sensible words. Meanwhile, all the while, it's uh, in addition to us having been burning corn for a good long time, uh, we've used – our government has used this COVID-19 crisis to take away even more of our surpluses in food and water. Yeah, during this COVID crisis, they've essentially uh, weaponized the, the sickness for their profits. Because, yeah, some, some guy got COVID within 10 miles of a farm, so now they need to take all that farm's milk and eggs and pitch them in, the, pitch them in a river. 
We now go live to the steps in front of the Balaclavaville Mayor's Office, where the mayor has called a press conference for an exciting announcement. Thank you all for coming. As you know, I made a statement some months ago on the effective handling of COVID. And, uh... Well, it has been a boon for our city's fine private prisons, I'm afraid our attempts to imprison the virus have not been entirely successful. However, I have thought of a new way to address the issue, one that I believe will be a massive boon for us and our economy. Mr. Mayor, will you be finally instituting a stay-at-home order and allowing for a full 90-day lockdown that will allow the contagion to die down, while supporting a fully socialized safety net guaranteeing everyone free food drops and in-home medical care during this time? Well, not exactly. Mr. Mayor, will you shut down all non-essential businesses and pay essential workers well above a living wage for putting themselves on the line? Oh, that, no, that's a dreadful idea. Will you admit you've bungled this pandemic response and resign, passing the mantle to someone more competent? Oh, definitely not. No, 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 I've got a much better plan. We'll revitalize the economy by creating jobs specifically for COVID-infected people. Mr. Mayor... Are we going to pay for them to consent to plasma tests rather than just insisting they donate for the common good? Not at all. You see, we've got too much eggs, milk, and produce to keep the cost of these things profitable for our grocery chains. As such, we've started paying COVID carriers to walk around farms coughing on everything they see. In doing this, we've created a renewal of our economy, guaranteeing we won't need to worry about giving away food for free. Mr. Mayor, that's possibly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Couldn't we just use that extra food to do the thing that the other reporter said? Of course we could, but there's no way we will. <laughs> My many extremely wealthy donors would never let me get re-elected if something like that happened. Anyway, my plan is perfect, and I will be taking no further questions. Thank Mr. you all Mayor, for coming. We're just going to cough on things? Did they, I've been coughing Mr. on Mayor, things my wait, whole wait, life. Mr. I can do this job. Hey, I'm from Brainbite, Mr. Mayor, I love you. I'm from Fox News. Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Oh my gosh. Burning all this corn down, that can't, couldn't possibly lead to any kind of, like, ecological disaster that's going to kill us by, you know, the world burning down, which it certainly hasn't been happening at all in the grand scheme of things, and even more so, not recently, never. I'm super glad that there isn't a massive problem with air quality coming along with our respiratory pandemic. Uh, super glad that there isn't a huge uh, amount of fire going up and down our country. California always had a blood red sky, right? <laughs> I think that I've never seen California sky when it isn't blood red. So I just have to assume that, yes, that's it's that Trumpy, it's that Trumpian case. view of history. It's always been <laughs> like this. This is fine. I've been here for at least 16 months, and I'm saying that sky's orangeness makes sense to me. But yeah, it's like not only are we looking down the barrel of a pandemic that is killing us, we're not just looking down the barrel of massive financial collapse, maybe another 23 million people who are going to be evicted at the end of the eviction moratorium. We're also like just just in case you've forgotten, you know, on the verge of climate collapse, like everything's fucking falling apart. Yeah, and uh, our entire governmental system has seemingly no incentive to do anything about that. Meanwhile, some of these more socialist governments are uh, making some actual strides to uh, address this. Unfortunately, they don't have America's absurd amounts of influence and power. Right, it's kind of, I mean, it's hack, I guess, to say that, um, you know, the Spider-Man line where with great uh, power comes great responsibility, but obviously uh, when 
you're contributing so much to the massive problem of climate change, uh, you should probably be contributing much more to fixing it. And we are unwilling to do that. You know, there were some mostly aesthetic uh, overtures to trying to fix climate change just in like the last two years of Obama's presidency. Obviously, those are gone. Oh, and I mean, the Paris Climate Accord was it's, – it's been changing the world, haven't you noticed? Oh, yeah. I mean, because totally climate, climate change isn't happening in Europe. We, ever since we backed out, we're still – we're having problems, but Europe doesn't have any, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. Europe doesn't have any problems with climate change. They've definitely held their end of the bargain in a non-binding climate agreement. It's not even a treaty. It's just an agreement because yeah, obviously – We'll do our best, everybody. <laughs> Promise. Pinky swear. There's literally nothing that anybody can do to force any of these countries to actually hold themselves to a carbon cap. There's no point to even signing the damn agreement because there's like, why, why bother with sending somebody over on a plane to fucking talk to somebody in Brussels about cutting back on mining coal when there's no, there's no mechanisms to enforce it. It's the fucking point. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we uh, keep making keep making profit the number one motivator. Uh, it doesn't really matter if we're all dying of climate change. It doesn't matter if we're all dying of lack of food. It doesn't matter if we're dying on the streets. As long as money is the almighty uh, deciding factor. In fact, I'm sure uh, the world would be perfect if we all just lived in a place where... Uh, Money determined how well you could breathe, which is exactly what will happen if this keeps up. We'll have some laughs and get along and always worship Jeff. We'll all pretend America is really moving left. We'll all be happy, trapped in hell, the family bereft. Because when we spell family, we spell it with a capital F. Capital F is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Congratulations, it's a boy. Now we've put the life bubble on his head, and it looks like you've paid up front for five years. Great saving, Mr. Balt. Thanks! I mean, we had to sell a bunch of family heirlooms, but our child's life is more important. <laughs> Can I hold him? Of course. However, be careful. If he latches onto your nipple to eat, we'll bill you for the milk you produce. Your current plan only covers market-regulated formula. Ooh. Oh, he's so beautiful. Our little Theodore. Honey, no! We're supposed to go with Ted! <laughs> Too late. An eight-character name costs way more than a three-character one. I hope you don't mind getting some overtime. That reminds me, my shift starts in 45 minutes. Can I cut the umbilical cord to save a bit of money? Of course, but you still have to pay the snipper rental fee. That's fine. At least it's not quite as expensive. Oh, I've got to run. Someone rich just came in and has a mild cough. Good luck with that whole your kid not dying thing. Speaking of which, honey, you remembered to pay the oxygen bill for our oldest kid, right? <laughs> Well, on the upside, maybe now we can afford to let Theodore go to school! <laughs> <laughs> is, 
it's not like people in these uh, socialist countries are upset with their lives. Like if you look at any of these places, uh, obviously the uh, the um, Netherlands, they're some of the happiest people in the world. But uh, even uh, more prominent examples in the news recently, like Venezuela. Right. We always hear of Venezuela as this kind of like bogeyman, this kind of like, oh, well, if you love socialism so much, why don't you go move to Venezuela where they only have one type of beans? You can only get one brand of cereal. Oh, no. Horrible stories about people who have their health care, have their housing, have their food taken care of because they have paid into a system and they work in a system that pays them back fairly. Just all these terrible stories about people getting the things that they need. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's it's just sold out to us like it's going to... Uh completely destroy and undermine their ability to live reasonable lives all the while they've shown very clearly that they like it that way and they would prefer you not fuck with it which is why they've stopped coups sensible secret service agent Man, this job is a layup. We've got a professional military organization to take on some idiot rice farmers. Maduro won't know what hit him. Yeah, he's been getting a bit too big for his britches. Can't have people seeing how well a socialist government is working for its people, or folks like us would be out of a job. This op is so important, we've even got an SS guy making the calls. That's right. We definitely don't want to totally botch this and guarantee there's a massive amount of press coverage about how much these citizens love their leaders. Now, normally we'd operate on radio silence, but I want as much chatter as possible while we infiltrate these beautiful Venezuelan boaters. Well, you're in charge. Anyway, why aren't you docking with us? Don't worry about it. I just want you guys to get all the glory. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Well, we're approaching now. Wait, looks like there's a lot more of a blockade here than we were expecting. Did someone tip them off? Certainly not. Who would want the citizens of a country to be able to defend a leader they actually like? Well, I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little worried. This coup is supposed to be completely under the radar. You have your orders. Just go ahead. Also, I'm gonna cut contact with you now and assume everything went perfectly. You've got this, guys. Um, okay. We're just gonna sneak our boat off here and... Ah, oh, shit! This is definitely not under the radar! We should withdraw and not blow our cover! Well, Mr. President, unfortunately, the Maduro coup was a complete failure. It's too bad. Now there's sure to be massive media coverage of how much the Venezuelan citizens love their socialist leader. That sucks, but I'm not too worried about it. Americans are all ADHD, and they'll forget about this in no time. Yeah, you're probably right. Sensible Secret Service Agent... There's, at the end of the day, there's absolutely no reason anyone would want to not be provided for. They just, we just have idiots who think, well, I want to be provided for. Socialism for me, not for thee. They could just as soon let someone else die. So if we could all just take the empathy we have for ourselves and branch it out to the rest of the world, like a, a, I think a sane person would do, I don't see why anyone would be fighting socialism. When we uh, fight for these systems, one of the big things that stops us from getting these systems on the le- on the quote unquote left in this country is this whole well, you know, if we start giving uh, free health care to if we start giving free health care to you, we'll have to give free health care to all the racists. Do you really want that? And we have to eventually say, 
yeah, yeah, even the racists and the assholes get free health care. Yeah, seems fine. I mean, sucks that they have backwards opinions, but maybe if we kept them alive long enough, we could finally fucking talk them out of it. And that's that's the core of it. I think if we just started showing human decency as our basic modus operandi, then all the people who are filled with hate in their hearts would start reconsidering their views because the world is the world would be so full of love comparatively instead of a world built on hate. I I absolutely agree. Um, when I'm talking to other folks who are, you know, understandably, as I am, pissed off about all the bullshit that, you know, these folks who are, you know, I come from a pretty devout Catholic area. My family was very devout. I went to 12 years of a fucking Catholic school where you'd hear about this dude living in Judea, just going around and helping fucking people out and thinking like, why don't they do that normally? Like, why isn't that a part of what we practice why is it only on sunday that i hear anything about this and i think part of that is like in the same way that uh folks who you know this socialism for me not for the thing in the same way that that is a ideological uh position that needs to be eroded over time i think that we can't just expect to look at people and tell them the facts and tell them that yes there are 20 homes for every houseless person uh, we need to teach them through our own actions. We need to teach them through uh, the kind of kindness that you expect from people who call themselves socialists or communists. Uh, you need to teach them that there is goodness in this world that is not built on capitalist accumulation or built on uh, competition between two people who are just trying to fucking survive. Yeah, I mean, we need just if we started actually handing out all the food that we willfully destroy instead, and therefore making sure everyone had food all the time, maybe these people would be like, "Oh, there is enough for everyone. Why am I so insistent on the idea that I need to have my magic number in the bank account be what defines my life?" Line goes up. That is the only way that my life has meaning. Anyway, we appreciate y'all uh, joining us for our little talk about. The basic outcomes for human life, uh, again, we have no reason we can't provide these things for people, and uh, we're really hoping that we can start changing the world, but that starts with uh, every single individual, and it's kind of hard to get that kind of unity. Yeah, we're working from a very individualized culture, and we need to collectivize, work together to create a more empathetic and a more equitable system, something that provides for the people what they need because like you just said we have the capacity and we have all of these resources i mean look at communes and root word there by the way but yeah communes these happy people just living together with the resources they are capable of very easily generating with little happy lives of uh, simplicity and uh they still and a lot of them still have some luxuries because if you if we just work together and actually exist as a as an us instead of as a me, this isn't that hard. And again, we're just two white dudes whose perspective is talking to you out of a basement. We're 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 not perfect on this, but we can't be doing worse than the current administration, can we? <laughs> hey, I, it's the same pitch that the Democratic candidate is making. So <laughs> yeah, that's got a few people on board. So come on. Yeah. So uh, in closing, care about people. Be human. And uh, maybe one of these days we can all actually live and be well.
So thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And we have been the Unsociablists, and hopefully we'll continue to be, but the way the world's going, who knows? Yeah. We'll see you next time. Love and solidarity, y'all. Senator McConnell, the $1.3 trillion budget you've proposed for COVID relief is completely unacceptable. Speaker Pelosi, I, I don't believe you have a better idea. What's your problem with our current plan? As of right now, you want to give 8% of the $1.3 trillion to the bottom 90% of Americans. That may be, but it's a plan that we can afford. Do you really think you can provide a better plan for the American people? Damn right I can, Mitch! I'm going to rip up this draft and force a new one! $2.4 trillion with 7% going to the bottom 90% of Americans. Come at me! You drive a hard bargain, make it 6.8, and you have a deal. It's done then! You sucker. When we get McGrath in there, we're totally gonna make it 6.82%. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk. So I am told. I've been a horrible mother.